this time on Slaughterhouse Princess, The Changeling. An experience beyond total fear. Welcome to Slaughterhouse Princess. I'm Chris. And I'm Troy. And that was the ghost of Hotlanta. The ghost of Hotlanta past. Yeah, he's not dead. He just projects ghosts occasionally. Yeah. But he is physically not with us today. No. But he is in spirit. (laughs) Yeah, so if there's any weird audio that happens during this episode, we're just going to blame Brett. Hotlanta. Why not both? Both. Brett and Hotlanta. So, this movie was recommended to us by my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. And how does it start, Chris? Well, we start in the, the snowy countryside of place? East Coast, I think. Yeah. And uh, a family is out for a drive, or they're moving. I don't recall. Well, they're out there for a push, because their car is not going. They're pushing their car. Yeah. And uh, they came across a handy phone booth. Yeah, out in the middle of fucking nowhere, there's a phone booth. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes to make a call because his car ain't doesn't go no more. Yeah. While his daughter and his wife are playing snow games. Yep. And then a pickup truck comes from one direction and a snow plow or dump truck or something from the other direction. And to avoid the pickup, the the bigger truck slams into the back of their non-moving vehicle and slams the non-moving vehicle into the mother and child uh, obliterating them. Yeah. And he has to watch it happen and he can't... He could see it coming, but he couldn't get the door to the phone booth open in time to yell or anything and so he had to watch his family be destroyed. Yeah. Another senseless phone booth related fatality. Yep. Phone booths are only for Superman. And uh, so t- a little time passes. Uh, dad, Patton, Patton, Dad. Patton Oswald. Patton Oswald. He decides he's going to pack up and move cross country to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Fresh start. Because he went to university there. Yeah, and he is a composer by trade. Yes, yeah, so a famed composer, apparently. So he gets a job teaching music theory at the university, since he is an alumnus and a famous alumnus. Yeah. And uh, he gets uh, hooked up with a big, fancy Victorian mansion. Yep. And they're like... This is a lot of house for one person. And then, then, then the lady who is uh, 
introduced showing him the house. I was like, oh no, there's a guy who comes in like twice a week to do things around the house so that you don't have to. You guys like good because I'm pretty sure I would not be able to do anything other than do stuff around the house here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and that lady seems a little flirty with him. Yeah, which and apparently is also played by his wife. I believe so. Yes, according to the trivia. So that's why, if nothing else, that must be why there's chemistry. So he's, uh, you know, he's he's getting moved in. He goes to a concert. That happens pretty early on. Yeah. So we may be slightly out of order, but I don't think it matters too much. He goes to a concert uh, to see the symphony play. uh, And there is a senator there uh, who is uh, very Republican, apparently. And uh, but but has devoted a lot of time and effort and money into raising money for the symphony. And he's there giving a speech. Yeah. And his name is Joshua Carmichael. Joshua Carmichael. And we get to meet uh, the historical society. Because so this house is owned, the house he's living in is owned by like the Historical Preservation Society. Yeah. But they, they lease it out. Uh, and so the lady who was showing him around is, the, is also at the concert and she introduces her him to her mom and things like that. Yeah. And the whole place has been vacant for like a long time at this point, like years. Yeah. Yeah. Like decades even, I think, but it's a beautiful house. Yeah. Um, and then, so, and he, he shows up to teach his first class and it's like an auditorium just like crammed full of students. Like they're even like sitting in the stair on the stairs. And he's like, pretty sure this was supposed to be a small class, but it's just cracked some jokes about it being so large. Yeah. But I, I, and they all laugh. So he's, you know, I guess to show that he is a f- friendly teacher or a good teacher. Yeah, I wasn't sure what exactly the point of that was, but he sits in his chair backwards. Mm, yeah, they, they have a they have a rap session. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I imagine George C. Scott having lots of rap sessions. Yeah, just rap with me, bro. Just tell me what's up. <laughs> oh. Uh, that's just the <laughs> image of George C. Scott saying that's all fucking hilarious. Um, he has. He wakes up at six in the morning every morning to a banging going on in the house that lasts for like 10 seconds or so, 15 seconds. Yeah. And then goes away. And so the handyman guy, you know, the caretaker guy is kind of like, well, I mean, it's probably just the boiler because boilers make weird noises. And he's like, yeah, but it's like a rhythmic banging that just it starts at exactly the same time 
and stops at exactly the same time every day. Like, and the guy's like, I don't know. All boilers have like their own personalities, so I'll poke at it a little bit, but uh, nothing I can do. <laughs> yeah, he's the boiler whisperer. <laughs> and then he has some students over to his house to play, like to practice some music. And they all leave, and then, like, the faucets start turning on in the house. Yeah. And he sees the the ghost. Hmm. I guess I missed that. I must have been looking at my phone when he saw the ghost. Yeah, he, he sees the a boy ghost. Oh, yeah, with, like, the red lips. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, yeah... Or, it's in a reflection kind of window reflection, right? Uh, I don't recall exactly. Yeah. I just remember like red lips for some reason. Unimportant. Mm-hmm. Um, then, well then like the, the window, there's a window that breaks. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's outside and a window at the top in one of the attic rooms bursts outwards and like showers him with glass and he's trying to figure out how to even get to that room yeah because he's never he has never seen figured he's never been in that room so he's like huh so he kind of goes upstairs starts poking around and realizes there's a closet or a pantry that like that this would be where the stairs would lead to that room so he starts pulling off like the the shelves and behind the shelves there's a door yeah and so he goes up into the attic room and there is an oldie timey child's wheelchair um and a, and no, a music box and a music box on the mantle yeah and he plays the music box or he bumps the music box and starts playing and it's the song that he's been composing and he's kind of freaked out by that because you know he never heard this music box before so how did he have this song in his head yeah so he he heads back to the historical society and he's like man what's going on with this house and so they start looking into like uh you know oh and there's a there's a portfolio there that says like JSC 1909. Yeah, and turns out that... And all the records they can finally go back to like 1920. Yeah. And he's... They're like, well, this this girl died in a car accident, but then everything kind of stopped being there. A coal cart accident. Oh, yeah, coal cart. Yes. Not a car. A coal cart. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure my ghost isn't isn't that. And they decide to have a seance at the house. Well, okay, so but also while he's at the historical center or society place, uh, creepy old lady comes up to him and is like, you shouldn't be living there. Like the the thirsty agent put you know put like forced all the paperwork through like real quick and like didn't consult legal or whatever and. She's like, and like that house doesn't want people living there. And 
then she like fucks right off. Yeah. Because, you know, she has to harbinge. The har- harbinger's got to harbinge. That's what they do. Yep. So they decide to have the seance to try to contact the, the spirit. Yep. So George C. Scott puts on a gas mask. Like you do. No. <laughs> he does record it, however. He asks, like, can I record this? Because, you know, he's got audio recording equipment for his composing. So he just wheels it over to the table and starts recording and then lady medium uh oh you know he consults a parapsychologist at first and the guy's like well usually like 99 percent of the time it's all bullshit yeah uh but the one percent of the time is really fucking interesting (laughs) (laughs) which you know fair enough yeah let me hook you up with this medium that we've used before and he's like okay and uh so she's there and she's like she starts doing like the automatic writing, like basically she's got sheets of paper and she's just like scribbling all over it. Like it's not like not even making words. She's just making loops and swirls and stuff. And then she's like, you know, Hey ghost, we're here to help you. Could you tell us your name? And then she like writes Joshua on the paper as she's scribbling. And her assistant guy reads out what it is, like what she writes. Yeah. And, so his name is Joshua Joseph Joseph not Joshua why did I say John I thought it was Joshua anyway Joseph okay his name is Joseph um do they uh they ask if he died in the house and they said he says yes um they ask how he died but she just keeps scribbling. Does does she get any other actual answers out of it, or does she just keep asking how he died? Where where did you did you die? In the well, room? she doesn't. She doesn't really get any answers. It's only when uh, Patton Oswald reviews the tape. Well, we haven't gotten to the cone yet. Well, yeah, that's true. Which, what the fuck was that thing? So it's like it is like a. Four foot tall metallic cone that they put like big end down on the table and they ask questions to the ghost and it just wobbles around. Yeah, I I don't know. What is that supposed to, like how is that like is he supposed to ghost supposed to speak through the small end and it may like it works like a ghost megaphone? Like <laughs> the fuck was that thing and why was it there and what was it doing? <laughs> no explanation. No. I like how they just assume you're familiar with whatever piece of ghost equipment that is. Yeah, it's like it's like it's oh it's it's the precursor to the cones of Dunshire. It's the ghost cone, idiot. Come on, everybody knows what a ghost cone is. Yeah. Oh my god. I was just like, what the fuck? And eventually uh a glass flies across the room and they decide maybe we should stop with the seance now. It's and, not a full uh, seance until something's been hucked across the room. Right. Exactly. And uh, so then he, then everyone leaves and uh, Patton Oswald listens to the, uh, the recording and she's like, like, what's your name? And you can hear on the recording. It says, Joseph. And then the guy reads off the paper, Joseph. And like, and then she's like, did you die here? And it's like, yeah. And the guy says yes as he reads it off the paper, 
And then she's like, how did you die here? And then it's like the kid, like a little kid's voice, like kind of crying, like my father. And he, and he starts to like, and Patton also like has like a vision of what happened. Yeah. Where, uh, yeah, the, you can describe this. <laughs> the father guy, he's got him in his old timey bathtub. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just drowns him. Just grabs him by the legs and fucking hoists him under the fucking water. Yeah. And, and just kind of holds kid, him there. Yeah, the kid's banging against the, the tub in the same rhythm and pattern that the banging happens at 6 a.m. every morning in the house. Yeah. And, uh... I guess that's... It, and he's wearing he's wearing a medal, yeah, medallion, and says something about the range. Well, and so and so they so he kind of comes back from the vision, and he's written on the sheet of paper, "Father, range, medal." Yeah, and so the guy's like, "Okay," uh, so, so Patton Oswalt's like, "Okay, well, what the shit does any of this mean?" So they go to the microfiche. Yeah. And he's trying to to find some answers looking for, you know, dead kids from the twenties. Yeah. Or the yeah, or or the before the twenties. Yeah. And so he but he finds that um Joseph Car or sorry, yeah, Joseph Carmichael was adopted. But his his family like left him a bunch of like was left him a bunch of money in trust. Yeah, the the drowned kid was gonna get a shit ton of money when he turned like twenty one or something. Right. But they were but he was sickly. And so Patton Oswalt figures out that the dad didn't so that his adopted father, if the kid died before he turned 18 or 21 or whatever, the adopted father, like the money was going to just go to charity. <laughs> what a so waste. The adopted, but the adopted father was afraid the kid wasn't going to live that long. So he, uh, he kills this kid and then travels abroad to, you know, have the child healed or like, by the Europeans. Yeah, well, he he gets a replacement kid, sends him yes. to Europe for schooling, wink. Right. Yeah, so that when he comes back 20 years later or whatever, he does, you know, no one can say, well, that's not the kid. Yeah, and then the fake kid comes back at 18 or whatever, graduated. Well, well he gets stuck in Austria during World War One. Yeah. Yeah. But when he does return, everybody's like, hey, look at it. He made it. A World War One veteran. Like, he was all crippled when he was a kid. And now he's not. Hooray. Yeah, and then he goes on to become a senator. Yeah. And so, like, after that info dump, like, Thirsty Agent is like, holy shit. Like, what are you going to do with this? And he's like, well, I I think I need to find this metal that the ghost is telling me to find. 
Yeah. And so, uh, oh, my dinner's done. And uh, I should just stop. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy that, listeners. There we go. All right. So, um, yeah. So he's like, but I need So they they pull out a bunch of, I guess, yeah, there's like a well. I think he was also written on the paper. Yeah. And so they go back through like the the land records and they see that there is a parcel a, a place that the family referred to as the ranch. Yeah. But it had been but it had been sold off. So they um and they they figured out that they but they said so they go to the 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 land records and there's a well listed for most of the time, but then like after like 1910 or something, the, uh, the well disappears from the land records. And so they're like, huh, that's suspicious. And then they, uh, and they figure out who is living there and they, they reach out to the lady. Yeah. And, and then did she has like a vision or something? Well, no. So she's like, normally I wouldn't like, let anyone who called me with some kind of crackpot story like this into my house. But, but you said like, you said like Wednesday you did this seance, right? And they're like, yeah. She's like, well, cause my daughter had a dream or a nightmare about a kid climbing up out of the floorboards of his, of her room asking for help that night. And so like, we, you know, so that's, uh, so that seems kind of coincidental and weird. Yeah. So they chainsaw out the floor. Yep. And find the well. Yep. Which seems like they would have backfilled it or something, but what do I know about building codes in 1910? Yeah, I don't, I know nothing. And then, um, and they find a, a hand, like the bones of a hand. Yeah. So they call the cops. Why did they find uh, the metal? They don't. No, they don't. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Scratch so that. So the cops. Yes, yeah, so the cops come in and they do their investigation. They f- exhume the skeleton of a boy, a male boy, of you know the right age uh, as Joseph, and but they don't find the metal, and. Patton Oswalt's like, I got to find the fucking metal because the metals like the proof we need that John, the, that center Joshua Carmichael is not really Joshua Carmichael. Um, but so he breaks into the crime scene after dark and is kind of digging around with his hands. and can't find anything. He's ready to give up. But then the metal just kind of pulls itself up out of the the dirt like is, they do you know, like yeah you know, like a ghost might do or something and then he's like haha i have the proof that this is cuz it says like joseph carmichael these dates this orphanage yada 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 on it yeah and yeah you know, and so then he decides that he is going to confront the senator on the tarmac at an airport with this metal. You could do that back in the seventies. Yeah. Without getting shot. (laughs) 
And so he like, but he does like get intercepted by security pretty quickly. Yeah. And he's waving it around, yelling, you know, hey, take a look at this fucker. Yeah. And, uh, the senator doesn't see, he, the senator knows what's up, knows something's up at least. Yeah. Well, and he also, the senator got a call from the harbinger lady at some point and said, Hey, they're like digging into this stuff. And he's like, okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. And then his, his lady friend that works there gets fired. Yep. Uh, Uh, the, the sheriff or chief of police or whatever shows up at, uh, the car, you know, the Patton Oswalt's house and is like, you need to stop trying to blackmail the Senator. And he's like, I'm not blackmailing the Senator. Like blackmail involves requesting something in exchange for me, not releasing information, but I haven't requested anything from him. (laughs) Yeah. And he tries to get, you know, whatever, like, paperwork and the metal and all the other varying evidence. Yeah. But Patton Oswalt's like, you better get a warrant, motherfucker. Yeah, and the guy's like, okay, fine, I'll be back in the morning with a warrant. And then dies in a car accident on the way the way out. Yeah. Presumably because of ghosts. Yes. Well, so, he kind of has a vision of it, too, I think. Yeah. And uh, after the the policeman dies, the senator he's ready to play ball. Agrees to meet with them. Yeah. And uh, they have a they have a chat. Yeah. Patton Oswald goes in with the whole you know like, Colombo. Uh, just one more thing, and then lays it all out. Yeah. And uh, the senator's like. Oh, I've I've been down this road before with tales of my father murdering children. Let me cut you a check, asshole. He's like, I don't want your money. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm not gonna do anything else but try to give you money. And so Patton Oswalt says, Fine. You can just have this medal. Yeah. But I want you to know that I know. Yeah. Now you know here's that I know. Evidence. Yes, but here's all the evidence. Yeah, uh, not a great, not a great power play, but no, yeah, not a good negotiator. And uh, that's his, his lady friend. Meanwhile, has gone to his place looking for him. Oh, we, we missed um, we missed the bouncing ball, Chris. Oh, we did. Yeah. So at some point, uh, the the ball that uh. Patton Oswalt's daughter used to play with, which is like a red ball with a white stripe in the middle, uh, bounces down the stairs and he's like, well, this is kind of weird and I don't want this reminder of my dead daughter making me sad. So I'm just going to take it and throw it off a bridge into the river. Then he comes back home and the ball bounces down the stairs at him again. And he's like, Oh, this is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> The only real way to respond to that, honestly. I think that I think that's what gets him to consult the parapsychologist. Is, and is the medium the double ball? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So the the thirsty agent uh, shows up at the house, and while Patton Oswalt's driving back from 
the senator's place. And she starts looking around, goes up into Joseph's room, and gets chased by the wheelchair. Yeah, which, I mean, sounds hilarious, but works way better in context. Yeah, yeah. And then she falls down the stairs, and the wheelchair falls down the stairs after her. Um, yeah. And is that when Patton Oswalt shows up? Yeah, Patton Oswalt shows up. And he's like, man, look, I tried, ghost. I, I had the evidence. I showed it to people. I tried to confront the guy. What do you want from me? I'm doing my best over here. Maybe you should have got a lawyer on your side instead of a goddamn music theory professor. I feel like <laughs> you could have done a better job there. Don't blame me. Yep. And then uh, the house just shakes at him. And then he falls through a banister or and like lands on his feet and falls like i'm like oh he just broke his feet and ankles yeah because if i can break them stepping down off like seven inches off of a deck i'm pretty pretty sure following falling one story will break them <laughs> yeah and, and then uh, uh the, the ghost chandelier tries to fall on him yeah and uh the ghost super pissed just sets the whole goddamn house on fire yeah um, and but also while this is happening, the senator is looking at the medal that his that you know belongs to the real Joseph Carmichael, and starts having a a uh, an, an infarction. Yeah, well, he he like has been psychically shown the fucking the deal. Yeah, like his dad. Yeah, like his dad killing the other kid. And now he knows the truth, but his frail old madness can't handle it. Nope. And he kicks the bucket from a heart attack. Yeah. And while apparently while his house is in the process of burning down, uh, Patton Oswalt and thirsty agent drive over to the senator's place and see him being wheeled out with a blanket over him, his face and being put into an ambulance, you know, so that we know he's dead. Yeah. Ghost heart attack happens all the time. (laughs) And, and then we get a final shot of a music box in the ruins of the house, the burnt down Carmichael house. And it starts playing music. Yeah. Cause they did it. I guess. Or something. Yeah. So Ghost Vengeance. What did, what did you think of this movie, Chris? It's uh, surprisingly good. I wasn't a... Uh, this is not my my pre- preferred uh, subgenre, the haunted house story. I was like, oh, 70s. Oh, haunted house. Oh, no. This is going to be real slow. But it uh, it moves at a pretty brisk pace. It looks real nice. Like uh, the houses are cool. I don't I don't think they're real houses. I think it's all sets, which is kind of even more impressive. Yeah. The story, I mean, 
when you first start watching it, you're like, uh, okay, so like, I guess his his ghost daughter's mad at him, but nope, turns out it's really all about murderous senators' fathers. They can be murderedly earthless. Uh, that's even too far for us. <laughs> but it, uh, no, it it's interesting. It It's a better story than you'd think you're going to get going into it. I don't think it's the best thing ever, but you can definitely see some DNA from this movie working its way into some more modern haunted house stories. It seems like this is probably the progenitor of a lot of the haunted house kind of tropey stuff that you get. Yeah, like like Insidious owes owes a lot to this movie, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not super long. It's not super slow. If you want a haunted house done pretty well, it's a good a good one to go to. I think it's like just barely over 90 minutes. It's just 70s enough that you know it's the 70s but not 70s to the point of where you're like, oh, God, this movie just felt like it was three hours long, even though it was 86 minutes. But, I mean, I I feel like this is one that you probably should see just to check it off the old list of I've seen that movie if you're into horror movies. What do you say, Troy? I liked it. I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I like that it's a haunted house story, but it's not about the the house trying to kill the people living in it. It is just the ghost that lives in the house trying to get vengeance uh, any way it can and that manages it finally to do it. Uh, this also really, uh, really feels like a Wraith the Oblivion story, which is a Wraith the Oblivion's role playing game um, where you play, you know, ghosts. And uh, yeah, that was, it was, I mean, the story was pretty tight. It was interesting because it wasn't just like, oh, the house is trying to kill you. So uh, will you make it till till day dawn when the ghost loses its power or whatever? It's it's like, no, no, no. I just I need you to do something for me. So I will get you. I will do scary things to get you to call someone in who can let me talk to you. And then when I talk to you, you'll know what you need to do. And then you you go do it for me. But you you fucked it up. Which is kind of like a surprise. Like you did, that's not the like the the surprise. That's not the way I thought the story was going to go. It was just like George C. Scott's character just fucking up at the end. Just like, oh no no, I just gave him the medal and shit so that he knows he knows that like his secret isn't safe. And this, but the ghost is like, but no, I want you. He's supposed to die. Like vengeance. I want vengeance, not yeah. just like you know. They'll let you know that the, the the guy know that a ghost is worried about him. Yeah. Oh no, mild inconvenience. It's exactly what I was after. Yeah. You know. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and I assumed that he used the metal as a focus for the heart attack to happen. Um, but presumably the ghost has been laid to rest now, so that's good. Um, yeah. It, it's just it's a good story. It's I mean it's obviously well acted. Uh, given that you know George C. Scott was the lead, um, and yeah, I can't find any faults with it. It's just, I mean, it is a haunted house story, which is kind of yeah, you know, like, not also not my 
favorite kind of story, but it's a well-told one. It's a well-plotted one. So I think, yeah, I think people should watch it. What are you watching next week, Chris? We are watching Willie's Wonderland. Yes, as suggested to us by Mr. Green. I think it's a Nick Cage movie. Yes, Nick Cage and like a uh, like a Wait, Chuck E. Is, Cheese kind of thing. Nice. Oh, so is this the um, the one that I have? It's recommended recommended by Mr. Green, more or less. Yes. Okay, I don't I remember why I wrote that, but maybe Mr. Green will. But uh, yeah, that was more or less that he recommended this to us. So it should be interesting. So what if other people want to recommend something? I mean, more or less. More or less. Well, they could reach out to us on Facebook where we're Slaughterhouse Princess. They could tweet us at Slaughter Prince, which is Slaughter Princess with no vowels in princess. They go to our subreddit at r slash SHP podcast and leave a thread there. They could also email us at slaughterhouseprincesspodcast at gmail.com. Or they could go to our Discord server at discord.slaughterhouseprincess.com and go to the hashtag uh, movie requests channel and request a movie there. Uh, otherwise, if you would like to support us financially, you could go to store.slaughterhouseprincess.com or patreon.slaughterhouseprincess.com and go to the store and Patreon pages that are actually not hosted at slaughterhouseprincess.com. Uh, and patrons, we have gotten about half of the project done that we're working on for you. We just need Brett's work to not be his life. And then we can get, you know, the rest of it done. So we are still working on it. Uh, we have a rough cut of some of it even. So we, uh, we have not forgotten you. We appreciate you. We're working on something for you. Um, and, you know, if for some reason you wanted to listen to this podcast in any way other than you currently are doing so, you could go to pretty much any podcast aggregator anywhere. And if they require the RSS address, you can just go to slaughterhouseprincess.com and find it there. So come back next time for Willie's Wonderland. And whether podcasts think about movies, we'll drink about movies. Bye. I literally fuck shit.